Matthew chapter 10, verse number 5, and it reads as follows. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye, sh- ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it not be worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye, de- ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment for, than for that city. Let's pray for again to today's uh, message. Dear God, thank you that you gather us here to worship you and honor you. Pray for all those serving you, serving you here, serving you around the world to spread your message and your gospel. May you be with me now as I speak some of your words today, and hopefully that these words are taken to heart and that the message is uh, proclaimed through the power of your word, the Bible. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, I've been reflecting recently upon the missionaries that we have all over the world and the work they're doing, right? We've had some of the news about it. I went over uh, in, the, in the preamble, the news article about what's going on in Burkina Faso and all the horrible violence there against Christians. We know the struggles of some of our own missionaries, the people that we've uh, sponsored. Uh, I heard that Ken Lallman, if you remember Ken Lallman, the guy who had his church shut down by the Chinese government, well, he still hasn't been able to make it back to China yet. He's still... Uh, in Santa Clara. He hasn't been able to get back yet. It's hard, hard nowadays, right? Radford, you heard him. Uh, if you guys were able to talk to him last week about him coming back and taking care of his dad, it's a struggle there for his church. He's left the church that he started in uh, China, but they have no leader right now, no pastor. In fact, what's happening is he's kind of trying to lead the church remotely for the time being, right? Like, he is telling me he has, like, like, an, like a, a more, uh, more mature brother there that helps give the messages, but, you know, he'll still send Radford his messages, like, every week. And he'll help review it, the outline and stuff, give him pointers, give him comments, and send it back and tell him, well, this is what you need to do. Or, like, for their Bible studies, he literally writes out the whole Bible study, right? Like, here's the question, here's the answers. And then he emails it back to the guy that's helping leading the Bible study, and that guy's leading it. You know, this is what he has to do right now, right? Because they don't have that manpower right now. It's a struggle, right? It's not easy. Hopefully, he said that there's going to be some other people that can come by and stop and help out in his church while he's gone and while he's not there. And he'll try to get back there next year, maybe sometime for a short visit. But, you know, in general, that church needs our prayers right now because they are kind of don't have a leader present there right now. We know in general... From the other news articles, I've been, you know, read a few news articles in preparation for today, reading about just in general how China is actually is cracking down more and more on, you know, so-called unlicensed churches, right? 
churches like the one that Radford had, that Ken Lallman had, right? The non-authorized churches. Because China's leader, Xi Jinping, is just so paranoid about any threats to, you know, his power, that he has so much power now, right? He doesn't want any outside influences threatening his power. And they're doing a lot of weird stuff now to try to crack down on, uh, on these underground churches, these unlicensed churches, right? The usual stuff like arresting people and so on. But also I read this, this is a weird thing, that they now ban the sale of Bibles online in, uh, in China. It's a weird thing, right? Because, you know, you go to China and you go to Amazon.com and you search the word Bible, you will not see a Bible for sale. You'll see like other things. You might see like videos about the Bible or Bible commentaries and all that. But the actual Bible is not for sale in China anymore online. You actually actually go to like, you know, like a, a Christian bookstore, the, the few rare ones, if you, and really take a lot of effort to seek it out. It's not like here, oh, any, any guy can go online and press two buttons and it'll be delivered to you the next day, right? Free of charge. They put to put a little bit of effort, right? China's government wants to make people put a little bit of effort if they want to get the Bible, right? So these are the things that they go through in their mission fields that we don't think about that often, right? Because, you know, sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind. We worry about our lives and our struggles and things that are going on with us. And when we don't hear about it, we don't think about it. A lot of times I don't hear about it partly because we don't get a lot of like updates or we don't share a lot of the updates with all you guys because it's not easy to, right? They do give us periodic updates. And I try to include updates in the handout with the featured missionary, things like that. But part of it is that, you know, there's no easy way because also they ask that, oh, you can't uh, distribute their uh, updates that far and wide because they're in the underground church and they don't want people to find out. So I can't like email you guys their update because what happens if someone gets a hold of their email, right? Or can't post it on Facebook or Twitter or whatever because China can view Facebook and Twitter and they get the message and oh, now we know who the missionary is, right? So we don't hear a lot about it, but they are doing this important work. And I think it takes really special people, really special people to carry the gospel all over the globe. They have missionaries that are willing to put on that work for God. You know, when we had, again, Radford here last week, it kind of reminds us that this job really is, you know, a calling for some, but also a calling for anyone. Remember, he came up through this church, just like all of you guys in this audience right here. And through him, a great work was done, right? A great work in China spreading the gospel. Maybe, maybe one day, one of you guys in the audience right here will be our next missionary, right? We'll send you out somewhere to some country to share the message of Jesus Christ. Who knows? Maybe. We didn't know Radford when he was, you know, a kid or whatever would be like that. Maybe one of you guys also will be carrying that mantle. So we'll talk a little bit today about being a missionary. What does it mean to be a missionary? What does it mean to serve God in that capacity? What do you need to do to do it, right? What are the skills? What are the traits? And I think one of the best ways to learn about this and that best informs us about 
being the servant of God, the full-time servant of God, and how to do it, and what do you need to know, and what are the traits you need to have, is to look at, once again, the source. To look at, what did Jesus say about all this, right? What did Jesus have to say about all this? Because, arguably, and I don't think it's arguably, actually, I think, actually, in reality, the first missionaries ever were Jesus' 12 disciples, right? They are the ones that follow Jesus. Jesus trained them up, and then he told them to go out there and do his work. The 12 disciples, they were the first. And they got the instruction from no better teacher, right, than Jesus himself. In the first nine chapters of Matthew, you read a lot about the building up of these guys, right? How they came to know Jesus, how they observed Jesus doing all this stuff. Then finally, in verse 37 of chapter 9, Jesus remarks this, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few, right? There's a lot of people out there that need the work to be done on them. We don't have many people to do it. And it's no surprise that right after he says that, in, verse number, in chapter number 10, we see he calls his disciples and he sends them out to do his work. So it just follows logically, right? He says, oh boy, there's a lot of work to be done. A big harvest out there. We don't have many workers. Chapter 10, aha, you guys will be my workers. You guys do it. So Jesus explains in these verses that we're going to study today some basic principles, some basic principles for effective missions work. The 12 disciples were the first missionaries, right? The first people instructed to go out there and share Jesus' message. And these lessons are important, right? Are these important and I think it's a lesson for all of us. So we're going to look today at what I believe Jesus taught here, the five principles needed to be an effective missionary. Okay, the first one from verse number five. Verse number five says this, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, and commanded them. First point, effective missionaries have a divine commission. Missionaries are sent. They are sent if you know the word commission, it's kind of like a military term, right? And command is also a military term. You're, when you're in the military, you're commissioned to be an officer, right? And you know this. When you're in the military, what do you do? You follow orders, right? Why does a soldier go to uh, Afghanistan? Well, because the general told him to go to Afghanistan, right? He didn't just decide on his own, you know, I feel like today I'm going to hop on the plane and go to Afghanistan, there's an order. He's got to go there. You're on the front line, soldier. You're going to go fight there in Afghanistan. Oh, there's other soldier. You're going to go to Korea and guard the DMZ, right? Or there's other soldier. You're going to go to, you know, wherever else, some other country, right? This is what you do. You follow your orders. Yes, maybe they're willing. They're volunteers, and they'll gladly go to Afghanistan and gladly go to Korea or whatever. But at the heart of it, the idea is that they are in the position of being the follower, the follower. The missionaries, the disciples of Jesus' day were God's followers to follow his instructions, his commands. That's the most important thing to understand, first and foremost, that when you do the work of a missionary, you're doing the work of God, his way, his orders, right? They were dispatched by God, these disciples, in the most literal sense. They heard God's word. God told them, do this. Go out there. 
and preach, preach my, my, my gospel to other people? They said, yes, sir, we're going to go do that. So the first thing you need to know if you today are thinking, I'm going to be a missionary, is understand that, that you've got to have the marching orders to be able to do that. So it was easy for 12 disciples, right? They had the literal orders from God, right? Jesus told them, go do it right now. And they had to say, yes, sir. And we know today, we don't have the literal word of God telling us, go do this. So some of you guys here, maybe in the audience right here, thinking, maybe I do want to do this. I want to be a servant of God. I want to be a missionary. How do I know if I'm the right guy or girl, right? I'm the right guy or girl to go out there and share God's message when I don't have the voice of God to tell me. Well, here's a few things that I thought of. How can we discern? How can we have the wisdom, the discernment to tell if we have that command to go out and serve him in the missions field? Number one, I think the first thing we have is a strong desire, right? God puts that in your heart, right? That strong calling. You have the heart for evangelism, service, the calling from God himself in your very heart that you know and you feel, yes, God, this is the right thing, that I want to go out there, I want to be your servant out there in the missions fields for you. But that's not enough. That's not enough. It's not enough to say that, oh, this is how I feel. A lot of people might feel that, right? But you need some other things, right? Number two, you need confirmation by the church. That's what they had in Bible days, right? When Paul went on his missionary journeys, he was sent by the church at Antioch, right? right? And you read about Paul talking about laying hands on elders, right? Or laying hands on new elders and new servants, right? The idea being that, oh, we are approving of you, right? We're laying hands on you. We approve of you, right? So there could be a guy, maybe one guy in this audience who says, yes, you know, I am ready to preach the word of God everywhere. But then maybe... We in the church here would say, we've heard you preach, you are not ready, right? And that's our job, right? The church has a role in it too. You need confirmation of the church, right? And number three, you need the right circumstances, right? We know that God opens, opens the doors for people to fill in roles for him. He lines things up perfectly, does he not? Think about in the Bible examples, people like Paul, how everything was lined up just perfectly for him to share the word with the Gentiles. The path was paved for him and that he had the right talents for the right job to go do that. Folks, it's the same way with us even today, right? It might not be that we could be the missionary everywhere, but there's a job for us. Might be somewhere. But the most important thing, as we said, to go back to the first point, is understand we have this divine commission to follow God's orders. The thing that trips people up is when they start getting creative. They want to be an innovator, right? A missionary is not an innovator, right? When you're a soldier, you're not an innovator. You're not a creative guy. You're not saying, I'm going to imagine this new wave, newfangled thing. Don't need to. God already has all the instructions. He has his whole manual. He has the Bible right here. All you got to do is follow it and preach that message. He's made it so simple. Just follow my orders. He's a general. He, here's the command. Follow the orders. Right? 
there's an old saying, right? I don't know, maybe you guys never heard the saying before, but a saying that I heard is that God doesn't want chefs, right? What does he want? He wants waiters, right? Because he's already prepared the meal. He's the chef. He's prepared the meal. All he wants his servants to do is deliver it to the table without messing it up. He's got the message. He's done all the work. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. He sent salvation to everybody. All you guys got to do is share that message without messing it up. So number one, if you're an effective missionary, you follow orders. You have a divine commission. Second point, an effective missionary has a central objective, has a central objective. We see in verse number five and the verse number six, Jesus instructs his disciples where to go and where to not go, right? He says, go here, go there. Talk to these people, don't talk to these people, right? In verse six, he says, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He says, your mission is to go get the people of Israel saved. Don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans, right? Now, he doesn't mean that forever, but he's saying for these people, you 12, this is your mission. We know that later on, there'll be other people that preach the gospel to the Gentiles and the Samaritans and all that kind of stuff, right? For these people, they had a discreet mission. Go do this, right? Why don't you do this thing? Spread the gospel to the Israelites, the lost sheep of Israel. Missionaries need to have a clear objective. They need to understand what their gifts are and seize the right opportunities to minister to those people. It doesn't work if you as a missionary say, my plan is I'm going to get everyone in the whole world saved everywhere and spread the gospel. Yeah, that's me. Like, that's going to be too big of a task for any one person, right? That's an impossibility. It's going to lead to you not being effective. You're going to do like 50 million different things, right? You never hear about this when we talk about our featured missionaries, right? You never hear about this guy. He went to China, and then he went to Ireland, and then he went to Brazil. They don't do that, right? They focus. They know this is what I'm called to do. I'm going to go to China. I got a plan for China. This is what I'm good in China. I can teach English. I can start a house church in China. I'm going to do that. That's my plan. That's the thing. Other people, they say, oh, my, my, my strength is I'm going to go to Africa, right? I'm going to go build houses there. I'm going to encourage people there, that way, right? That's my skill. That's what I'm going to do to serve the community there, right? They have a plan. They have an idea. They don't bounce around with different things. They don't spread themselves out thin. They don't offer, operate rudderlessly, right? There's a goal. There's a mission. And when they do that, they're a lot more effective, aren't they? It's just the same true with anything else in life, right? When we look at who are the successful people, right? The successful people are the ones that can gain mastery of a skill, right? When you have a mastery of a skill, you have a marketable talent, you're successful. It's just like these athletes, right? You know how the guys become professional athletes? They get very good at doing one thing. There's very few people who are good at everything, right? But, oh, if you can be the best at shooting three-pointers, oh, you have a job in the NBA, right? Even though you might not be the best at dunking or you might not be the best at getting rebounds, right? Because you're so good at this one scale, you can do it, right? If you're a missionary, you figure out what is your calling, what's your field, and you go do that thing. You don't say, well, I'm going to try being the missionary in China one day and teaching English. 
And the next time, I'm going to go build houses in, uh, you know, in India and see if that works better. And the next day, I'm going to see if I'm going to go just be like uh, a teacher in the city of Chicago and see if I can get people saved that way. You're just spreading yourself too thin and not doing a good job of anything, right? You'd be like the basketball player who can shoot three-pointers poorly, dunk poorly, and rebound poorly. Yes, you have three skills, but none of them are any good. You're not going to get a job. You're not going to get anything done that way, right? So you have to do the right work. So we see from the example here in the Bible, they had a, a discrete task. You say, what about all the other people that need to get saved? The non-Israelites, the Gentiles, the Samaritans. Again, we said in the Bible, what happened? Well, there were other people that did it, right? There are other folks. God has other folks, doesn't he? That's the idea, if we're teaching his message right. So same thing for missionaries. You say, oh, am I stuck in China forever? What about the people in all the other countries? Do they need to get saved? Yeah, they need to get saved. But guess what? God has other folks to handle that. Third point, an effective missionary has a clear message, a clear message. This is a simple one. It should be obvious, right? Verse number seven, what does he say? He says, preach, saying the kingdom is heaven is at hand. That's how he boils it down so simply, right? The kingdom. We all know what the kingdom is, and we don't need to go into detail about that. I think people have talked about this message enough times to know. We're talking about the kingdom. We're talking about God's rule. God is Lord. Here he is, his message. Obey him. Accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Follow his word. That's all summed up. Jesus just gives like the one-sentence summary, right? You guys know what it means. The kingdom of God is at hand, right? And that's what he tells his disciples. That's the message you have to share. Simple. Obvious. Yet today, so many preachers preach something else besides that. I have no idea why the message gets confused. Right? Maybe it's Satan's idea, right? Maybe he knows that the best way to mess up the gospel is to have people preach about 15 different other things so that we don't know that the simple message is simply that we need to have God rule in our lives. We need God be our king. Right? Instead, we have pastors, famous pastors in the news. What are the most famous pastors now famous for? Stuff like preaching about politics, equal rights, this, that, and the other thing. Again, nothing against politics and equal rights. I mean, sure, they probably have important things to say, right? But what does it say when people think about the famous religious people and they think about people like Martin Luther King Jr., whose message is all about, you know, political stuff, equal rights stuff, but not about, not about the kingdom of God, right? Not about, hey, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You need to repent. You need to get saved. You need to follow God. You need to obey God, right? Think about it. Think about it. Who are the famous religious people today that you see on the news? People they put on the news nowadays are all talking about all these political issues. What do you think about gay marriage, Mr. Pastor? What do you think about abortion, Mr. Pastor, right? And sure, they might give decent opinions, but they're not giving opinions. They're not giving the message on the most important thing, which is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the original message. That's the message that all missionaries ought to have today. They don't go to other countries to talk about, boy, wouldn't it be great if we had democracy in China? That's not what they're there for. They're there to say, you need Jesus Christ here in China. And that's an obvious one. Fourth point, effective missionaries have confirming credentials. Confirming credentials, right? So they're going out and speaking about the kingdom of heaven as a hand. How do we know we need to believe these guys, right? They could be liars. If you're in China, this guy tells you to believe in Jesus, why should I believe in him, right? 
That's the way humans act, right? If some doctor tells you to go and uh, take this medicine, you wouldn't listen to him unless you know, oh, this doctor, he has a degree, he's licensed by the medical board, right? He has credentials. Then I'll listen to him, right? If he didn't, you'd say, I'm not listening to that guy. He's got no credential. I've never been to an uncredentialed doctor before, right? I want the licensed one, right? I'm following that guy. Well, what were the credentials that the disciples had? Well, we read in verse number uh, 8, it talks about what they did. They were healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead. They're doing like miracles, casting out devils. So clearly these guys can be believed to talk about God because they're doing the miracles of God, right? They have credentials. They showed it off to people. But you notice the type of miracles they were doing. They weren't just doing like any miracle, right? They weren't just doing like, here, look at me. I can fly in the sky. That's a miracle. I'm from God, right? They weren't doing like, I can teleport from here to there, right? What kind of miracles were they doing? They're doing acts of compassion, healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead. They're doing stuff for people, not just, let me demonstrate my power. Oh, let me show you how compassionate, how loving our God is, that by our work, you guys can see his love in your lives through this miracle. Folks, they had a testimony of Christ-like compassion, right? God loved people. He healed people, right? That's all Jesus did. Jesus didn't do fancy miracles just to show off his skills. He didn't, like, make stuff appear out of nowhere just to say, oh, this is so cool. Look, I made, like, an elephant appear out of nowhere. There's no miracle like that. What did he do? He fed people. He healed people. He cured people. He wanted his disciples to do the same thing, to show the God of love, the God of salvation. That's what convinces people. Likewise, today, what is our testimony when we're a missionary to people, to get people to believe in us, that we're talking about the true God? We show that love and compassion. You don't go to China and just say like, oh, believe in Jesus, the end. What do these people do? We've seen in all the missionary videos and letters, they go there, they invite them into their house, they teach them, they share with them, they give them food, they do all they can, they pour out their love to them. That's that Christ-like compassion. And the result, the result is something powerful. And that, again, is a testimony, right? That back in those days, in the Bible days, people saw the change when people got saved, right? The change, like the man that was healed, leaped up, and the lame man who was healed, leaped up and proclaimed Jesus, right? That was the message back then. And today is the same. The Bible says we know the servants are effective. Well, how? By their fruits. You see the change in people's lives. You're the compassionate servant. You spread the gospel. You get people saved. And guess what? You change people's lives. And that is a testimony too, isn't it? That's how we know you're real. You're preaching the real message. This guy, he was a drunk. He was a gambler. He was a loser. He has Jesus' life now. He's none of those things anymore. He's changed. He is now a servant of God. Wow, that's powerful. Final point. Effective missionaries have a confident faith. A confident faith. In verses 8 to 10, we see Jesus tells them to bring nothing. Don't bring gold, right? Don't bring extra coats. Don't bring your staff. Just go. Live by faith. Live by faith. Don't worry about having provisions. If you are my servant, what do you do? You're content with what, you give, what I give you. 
You'll go out there, you'll do my work, and you will be provided for. And that's what our missionaries do, don't they? It's kind of shocking to hear what they do in their lives. They root up their whole family, move to another country where they have no house, no family, go there and serve God and just hope that people will support them. People like Chinese Bible Church, people like other churches will send them money and hopefully they'll be okay. Right? Wow. Does that take faith? You bet. That takes a lot of faith. But they have that. And we've never heard one of our missionaries come back and say, I'd have quit my mission because I'm bankrupt. That never happens. I haven't heard that from any of our missionaries. Why is that? Because God provides, right? He'll provide them a house to stay. It says in these verses we read, right? He'll provide them food to eat, right? And if that place isn't any good, you go to the next place and the next place, right? And you keep on doing his work. They lived by faith. All right, let's wrap it up. So how does this apply to us? You say, Norman, I don't care. I'm not going to be a missionary to China. I'm not going to go do that work. God's not calling me to do that. Guess what? Guess what? These principles apply to our own lives. Because even though we aren't missionaries in the foreign field, we are still got his representatives in this world. We have that same commission, the great commission from Jesus himself, right? To spread his word to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's our job too. It might not be in a foreign country. It might be just right here. But we have that same order. We ought to be just as obedient as those missionaries in China and Africa are, right? That we obey and say, "Uh uh-huh, we need to spread the gospel. Maybe not everywhere in the world, maybe just here in our lives. To understand that, God, you told me to do this. You told me to serve. I want to do it. I'm not going to make my own thing in my own way. I'm going to do it your way. We ought to have that same focused ministry that those missionaries have, not bounce around doing other things. People will look at the Chinese Bible Church and ask, how come Chinese Bible Church, we don't outreach to all the, uh, the Mexicans, right? Or all the Indians or whatever. Because we have a focus, right? You can see there's a very narrow focus this church has. Oh, we want to focus on these Chinese people, right? We're trying to get these kids through Chinese school and fold that into math camp. It all works together. There's a plan. It, all, it makes sense, right? It wouldn't make sense if we said, oh, one day we're going to have Chinese school, right? And then the next day we're going to go do like, um, you know, open a soup kitchen, right? You know, that's like two different, completely different things. There's churches out there that do open soup kitchens and they get people saved that way, right? Remember, God has other folks ministering to other different people. We don't need to do everything, right? We don't need to do everything and say, we're going to get the whole city of San Francisco saved. I wish we could. I wish we were so multi-talented that we could. But you know, we have to understand our role and focus on our ministry and do that the best we can. A focused ministry, even for us, that's the same thing the missionaries do. When we minister to San Francisco, we ought to have the same idea. We ought to have that same clear message, right? The message of Jesus Christ. That's obvious, right? Don't get sidetracked on the other messages. I'm here to talk to you guys about Jesus, 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 not about anything else. We ought to also have that same testimony of compassion. How do we have our credentials when we go out to the world and we spread the gospel, not to foreign countries, but to our friends, our family, to our neighbors, the same thing. They look at us and they see, do we have that heart, that heart of Christ? Do they see that same power that the people that believe in Jesus Christ are transformed? They're looking at the same thing. They're looking for the same credentials. We ought to have the same. Finally, do we have that same confident faith? To not care about, oh, 
This is my money. I need to worry about it. This is my house. I have to worry about it. Do we live by faith that we can say, God, I'm going to put this money in the offering and support your missions. I'm not worried about it. God, I'm going to take this time that I could be spending working, making more money, doing overtime, whatever. I spend this time for you, serving you, ministering to you. That's my faith in you. Right? That I could be using this time to have fun for myself, to go on vacation, to go party, to do whatever. No, it's for you. This money is for you. I don't need the best car, the biggest house. This is for you. I have faith. You're going to provide for me as I serve you, as I minister to you. Folks, we sum it up like this. Sum it up like this, really simply. It says this, the quote by Winky Pratt. Every Christian is a missionary. Every Christian is a missionary. Every non-Christian a mission field. Do we have that heart? Do we have that in our lives? I sure hope we do. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for all the missionaries that we support. They give us a good role model for all of us. They're effective missionaries because they follow your orders. They have a good objective. They have a good message. They have the right credentials. They're faithful servants. Lord, we need that in our lives too, that we follow your orders that we focus our work for you, that we have the right message, that we have that testimony of compassion, that we have that same faith in you solely and fully. We ask that you help us with that. We ask that you help our missionaries and encourage them continually like that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.